Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound on. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg, sound on. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. A second whistleblower. There is now a second whistleblower. And President Trump just finishing his remarks, criticizing Democrats, saying that it's a witch hunt. Meanwhile, the president now at odds with Republicans, though not over impeachment, over his decision to withdraw U.S. forces from Syria and abandon. Kurdish allies. That's prompted a furious backlash among key members of the most important body working against an impeachment conviction, Senate Republicans, Lindsey Graham. We will bring you the full analysis of that. We've got a panel of all-stars to help us do so. Brett Bruin is here. He, of course, is uh, uh, president and CEO of the Global Situation Room. Uh, Richard Fowler is also en route. He is a nationally syndicated radio show host and a Fox News contributor. And Mark Lauder calls in. We're going to get him to task on what's going on with the impeachment. And how is it impacting the 2020 campaign? He's the strategic communications director for the Trump 2020 campaign. So a lot to get through, folks. Hope you had a great weekend. I was at the White House earlier today as all of this went down. President Trump had lunch with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo today. And it came amidst this furor of news and the backlash from Capitol Hill, where he's now at odds with Senate Republicans, not over impeachment. I thought we would be talking about impeachment today and the second whistleblower. And we will coming up. But over President Trump's decision to withdraw U.S. forces from Syria and abandon Kurdish allies, it's it's really put him at odds amongst key members uh, of of the Senate Republicans, uh, including including Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Uh, According to a statement by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, he says, quote, a precipitous withdrawal of U.S. forces from Syria would only benefit Russia, Iran, and the Assad regime. He then went on to urge the president to keep together our multinational coalition to defeat ISIS and prevent significant conflict between our NATO ally Turkey and our local Syrian counterterrorism partners. Uh, Meanwhile, Senator Lindsey Graham has come out against him. Democrats have come out against him as well. Uh, But he says in a tweet, President Trump, that he could change his mind at any time, Brett. Well, I've actually come up with a good phrase to capture the foreign policy doctrine of Donald Trump. It's reckless abandonment. Whether we're talking about trade deals, whether we're talking about alliances like with the Kurds in northeast Syria, 
Trump just recklessly abandons these. He doesn't even bother to consult with his own Defense Department, his own State Department, his own party up on Capitol Hill. I think Mitch McConnell would have liked a heads up or Lindsey Graham that, hey, we're going to completely do a 180 here after telling the Kurds, you do this for us and we will have your back. Take down your defensive positions. Go after ISIS. Do the dirty work for us and we will have your back. Now, let me just, if I could, for a second, emphasize how deeply damaging this is, not only in northern Syria, not only in the Middle East, around the world. There is going to be no one who will want to ally with the U.S., who will want to make those tough decisions to put their lot in with us after such a reckless decision. So, uh, you know, the optics of this, Richard Fowler, uh, on Fox and Friends, which we know President Trump watches, on Fox and Friends, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, a Republican from South Carolina, calls in, or he was on Fox and Friends, and he says, quote, if I didn't see Donald Trump's name on the tweet, I thought it would be Obama's rationale for getting out of Iraq. Wow. Yeah, that is a wow. I actually uh, copy and paste everything that Brett said about <laughs> Trump's reckless in, in abandonment. Uh, and I don't think, I mean, here's, let's be very real. I think whether you, no matter how you feel about President Obama, he would have never made such a reckless decision like this. I mean, at minimum, there would have been a drawdown. There would have been a scheduled drawdown. We would have been working with our Kurdish allies to shore up their support. I mean, as immediately today we saw how Turkey responded to Donald Trump's news, which speaks to the fact that our allies are in real dangerous trouble. And I think this sort of speaks um, poorly on the president, especially as he sort of starts to have this conversation and she's trying, I guess, attempting to, not very well, of trying to build a coalition to sort of deal with Iran. How could you then say to our allies, help us go in with Iran to make sure that we, like, so we bring down this regime and at the same time, you're hurting other allies in the process. So I think this president's foreign policy has been almost like a fish out of water flopping around looking for more water, and it's failed at every attempt. And I think this speaks to lar largely to, you know, why Republicans on the on the Hill are feeling the way that they're feeling. Remember, he went into North Korea. He said he would have these two meetings with Kim Jong-un, and all of a sudden it would be a nuclear-free peninsula. We found out this past weekend that they were testing missiles. Uh, he said he was going to create a, he was going to get into this trade war with China because he was going to make things better for the American people and was going to normalize how we trade with China and make it fair for Americans. And what we're finding is the opposite. The Congressional Budget Office said that every American household will pay an additional $500 a year because of this failed trade war. And he has even even we'll if we do get a trade, trade deal in China, I mean, let's talk to the fact that we're still we still haven't dealt with the fact that the biggest problem is intellectual property theft by the Chinese. We'll talk. Oh, we're going to talk trade. We're going to talk just, trade. But let's. I, I want to stick on Syria because this is truthfully the big news of the day. It's it's it, it and it presents a, a an interesting backdrop dynamic to impeachment, which we're going to get into in just a second. Because now the president is at odds with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. I mean, this was the tweet that the president sent out this afternoon that uh, everyone in the White House press corps was talking about. As I have stated strongly before, and just to reiterate, if Turkey does anything that I and my great and here it is unmatched wisdom consider to be off limits, I will totally destroy and obliterate the economy of Turkey. I've done before. They must, with Europe and others, watch over the captured ISIS fighters and families. You know, I. From the president's perspective, and Mark Lauder's coming on, and I'll ask him about this, this is a president who, you know, in his comments today, says that he campaigned on winding down foreign conflict, that he is uh, trying to bring troops home. 
Uh, and outside of Washington, outside of uh, the hawkish ideological circles on both sides, clearly he feels this is going to help him. We're going to have to leave it there for now. Coming up, we'll talk more about this. Uh, and impeachment, there's now a second whistleblower panel stays. Brett Bruin, Richard Fowler, download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Unmatched wisdom. Unmatched wisdom. Not from me, from the panelists. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. So much to get through. So much news. Hope you had a great weekend. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television. Bloomberg Radio, we were talking earlier about the president's decision to withdraw to withdraw troops from Syria. And we're going to bring you some of his remarks that he made within the, uh, the past hour coming up when we speak with Mark Lauder. Mark Lauder, he's the director of Strategic Rapid Response for President Trump's re-election campaign. We're going to ask him, what does this mean now that... President Trump is at odds with Senate Republicans, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, criticizing uh, the president for this decision, as are other key allies, uh, including Senator Lindsey Graham, a Republican from South Carolina. My panelists here to kind of walk us through why now this matters that Republicans are against him on foreign policy. Well, because of impeachment. Richard Fowler's here, nationally syndicated radio show host. He's a progressive and a Fox News contributor. Brett Bruin also here, president of the Global Situation Room. Brett, it's a mouthful. And a former White House director of global engagement. Richard, a second whistleblower. All right, let's let's stick with impeachment for now. A a second whistleblower reportedly comes forward, uh, has, has met with the inspector general of the Department of Justice, And now President Trump has Republican support with regards to impeachment, but is clashing with them on a very key issue. If you are Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi tonight, watching all of this develop, you your next move is what? Listen, I think for the speaker, it has and will continue to be a game of mathematics, right? It's a game of mathematics in the House on determining if she can get the majority votes to actually have the inquiry and then inquiry and then after the inquiry, a potential impeachment vote. And she's also understanding there's a looming there's a looming um, roadblock, which is the United States Senate, where she needs 67 votes to get any impeachment inquiry through. Um, we have some signals from Mitch McConnell indicating that he would at least entertain the ideal of a trial which is what has to happen per the Constitution. But I think for the Speaker, she also understands there's a time element to this, too. Remember, six months from now, or less than that, four, four months from now, ballots drop in Iowa uh, and in New Hampshire. And so she's managing all of these things at the same time, understanding this impeachment can't go too fast, it can't go too slow, but this is also a fact-finding mission because every day, if you're watching this story, you're seeing another twist, another turn, another character, and the White House has been so flat-footed in their response that they're not prepared to handle the onslaught of what seems to be coming their but direction. Let me, let me follow up on this, or, or that's their strategy. Because last week, all these subpoenas issued. You have President Trump saying Speaker Pelosi hands out subpoenas like they're cookies. And now the Democrats are issuing subpoenas for the vice president, the secretary of state, everyone. That takes time. And it, you know, from my reporting and talking to sources close to the White House— they say bring it on. If you want to drag this out into the into the 2016 calendar year, 
the the Republicans are more than willing to do that. Listen, I think that well, we also see some cracks in this republic in what Trump, Donald Trump thought was a very solid Republican arm. When we saw my colleague Tucker Carlson sort of come out yeah. and say, "There's we some, talked th- about th- that there's some fire here." Um, I think we've seen some House Republicans who are who are close to retirement, who are retiring, and said we see some fire here. I think if you're talking to, if you look at the sort of cable news industry of all the pundits, you try to watch them defend this from this president, and they've just been very flat-footed. And if the, if the responses were going to continue to be flat-footed, that doesn't seem to be working in their favor. When every poll shows since this impeachment inquiry started, the the percentage of Americans that believe the president should be impeached is only increasing, not decreasing. Nah, we got to be careful with that because even Tucker, he said. He said the president shouldn't be impeached, but he said it was bad. It was bad. Uh, he didn't support the president's actions right. and the polls. I'm not. I'm not. I just because it's nuanced, right? I mean, no, there's it's definitely so fluid. nuance. It's fluid. But I think as more facts come out in this case, <laughs> and I think every day we are getting more and more facts, and yeah. realizing this is much worse than it was when it first started three weeks ago. Brett Bruin, from your global perspective, you're a world traveler. As you go to China, as you go to Europe, what are you hearing? from around the world about what impeachment means to President Trump's ability to negotiate on trade? Well, look, it it cuts both ways. Uh, On the one hand, when I talk to foreign leaders, the idea of impeachment shows that American democracy still works. And it gives confidence to foreign leaders that, that those checks and balances are functioning that Donald Trump isn't, despite what he projects often, uh, uh, sitting atop an authoritarian regime. He is accountable. He's accountable to the courts. He's accountable to the Congress. So this actually strengthens the U.S. credibility in the world, but it undermines Trump's hand. And that's why, and I know we're going to get into China, he's going uh, into those negotiations with Beijing from a very um, weak uh, negotiating position, and he is going to accept something that is far less than we could get. Uh, so let me. So when the president gets out, like he did last week, and says he wants China to to investigate the Bidens, and this week you've got the Beijing delegation, Vice Premier Liu Hua, coming to meet with U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer, as well as Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, to talk about trade. I mean. What what are what are you hearing from the Chinese based off of the president's comments specifically last week when he's out there at the White House saying look into look into the the Bidens? So the Chinese see an enormous opening in the last couple of weeks because what Trump has been doing because is, of impeachment. I just want to be clear because of impeachment and because of his failures on other foreign fronts. He was unable to come up with a deal in Afghanistan. He's unable to come up with a deal in North Korea. Even Rouhani in Tehran hasn't been open to his overtures because he wants the old deal. Well, no, I mean, Rouhani has been a little, but go ahead. But uh, this is Trump's problem, is that he's casting about trying to find someone who he can do a deal with, who he can replicate the playbook that he used for NAFTA. But if you're President Xi... And you hear, as he did, President Trump baiting you into investigating the Bidens ahead of this week's trade talks. Your thoughts are what? Your thoughts are, I'm not going to take the bait. Let the Democrats jump all over him on this one. I don't have to uh, compromise my nation's credibility and take this seriously. I can use it to undermine Trump to say, hey, you've really put us in a difficult position. 
I'm going to need some compromise. You know who's in a difficult position? Larry Kudlow. Did you hear what Larry Kudlow said? So he was at the White House today, uh, the president's top economic advisor, and and he he had to, he had he was asked, is, "Are Biden's going to come up in the trade talks this week?" As the president insinuated last week. Take a listen to what Larry Kudlow said. President's view is there is no linkage between that and the trade talks. I guarantee you there'll be no linkage. So Larry Kudlow saying that there is not. We're going to talk much more about trade coming up. I, I, I do uh, want to touch on uh, what many are saying is uh, a weakness on President Xi's uh, hand. And that, of course, is the domestic politics in, well, not necessarily, in Hong Kong. Uh, and there's been this spasm. Did you guys hear about this? This spasm of of outcry against the, the National Basketball Association, the NBA, and, and, and what's going on in Houston. And one of the owners... Is is how to delete a tweet because because they it, the Chinese were mad. We're gonna dive into that because it it impacts the dynamics here between President Xi and President Trump. Panel stays, Brett Bruin, Richard Fowler, uh, Mark Lauder's coming up. He's the strategic communications director for the Trump 2020 campaign. Busy day he's had with the Syrian news and impeachment. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. We're 7,000 miles away. These ISIS people, whatever you want to call them, these people are right there. They're right there. They're touching many of these countries that I just named. Iran, as an example, hates ISIS, and ISIS hates Iran. Iraq, you know all about that. Turkey, Syria, let them take care of it. That was President Donald Trump speaking earlier today about his decision to withdraw U.S. forces from Syria and abandon Kurdish allies. It's prompted a furious backlash amongst key Republicans in the Senate, including Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. My guest is Mark Lauder. He joins us on the telephone line. He is the Strategic Communications Director for the Trump 2020 campaign. Mark, thank you for joining us. All right, tonight, President Trump at odds with the majority leader and other Republicans on foreign policy. How's this going to play? Well, I think it's going to play out. I mean, this president ran on a policy of getting our country out of endless wars, and he is absolutely going to take the fight to terrorists. And because of the president's leadership, we eliminated the ISIS caliphate. Uh, but when it comes to cleaning up and, and handling issues with inside the Middle East, it should fall to those in the Middle East and to Europe to be able to do the brunt of that work. The president does not believe that U.S. troops should be there as a police force. And so he's encouraging the, the countries in the region with in limits to uh, to step up to the plate. He's also made it very clear to Turkey and others uh, that they will they will act in a responsible manner, or the president will be forced to take action against them. 
So, Senator Lindsey Graham, he's really come out hard against this. He's a key ally politically on many domestic issues with the president, the Republican from South Carolina. Uh, he says he, he said that this would be something that he expects from the Obama White House. Uh, how is that criticism going to impact the president's political clout, especially when you're staring down this impeachment inquiry uh, among so many influential Republicans in the Senate? Well, I, th- I think uh, the, the Republican leadership uh, and obviously the folks in the White House can walk and chew gum at the same time. We may not always see eye to eye on every single issue, but we all agree in the, on the broader purpose in terms of where we're going as a country, where we're going as an economy. And, uh, and so I think they'll still stand with President Trump, especially when you're looking at these, you know, the baseless witch hunt that they've got now going with, uh, you know, going down this path toward impeachment with, uh, with very little facts on their side. So I don't think that will have any impact on it. I think from a political standpoint, though, this is a win for the president and in delivering on something he promised to do uh, during the 2016 election and getting America out of these endless wars. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is that outside of Washington, outside of the, 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 you know, the back and forth on, on, on when it comes to withdrawing troops, politically, what I'm hearing from you, Mark Lauder, Strategic Communications Director for the Trump 2020 campaign, is that this is what you see as a political win? Well, I don't view I don't view as someone who worked in the White House. I don't right. view these as political wins or not. These are foreign policy decisions that are made by the experts inside the White House. But this is something the president ran on back in 2016 in terms of getting out of endless wars, drawing down our forces in areas in harm's way where they don't necessarily need to be. And I believe that is delivering on a promise that the president made. And I think that's something that many of his voters expected. All right, Mark. You know, I, I've, I've interviewed you several times. I've, I've covered you on the campaign trail. We got to talk about the impeachment, but here's my question with impeachment. Independent voters, the the 70,000 voters who previously voted for Obama and then switched over and voted for President Trump, to those voters, those swing voters, Pennsylvania, where I'm from, uh, Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin, the the key coalition that, that got President Trump to the White House, if they're uneasy with the president raising foreign policy, domestic politics while on the phone with the foreign leader... What is the campaign's message to those folks who say, you know what, why are you, why are you asking for political dirt from, from foreign leaders? Well, the first thing I would tell them is it's not political dirt. Kevin and and the folks who are listening in those areas, we are talking about a sitting vice president of the United States who, while in office and in charge of issues in Ukraine and China, had his son going out and getting paid $50,000 a month in Ukraine, a billion and a half dollars in China, with no experience in any of these areas. That is a basic ethical problem, and it is something that should be investigated, not because he is a candidate for president, because he was a sitting vice president when these things happened. And we would not view it the same way if Donald Trump Jr. was getting paid $50,000 a month to inv- to advise some physics industry in Ukraine with no <laughs> experience in physics, people would be up in arms, and they should be the same way about this. It's about corruption. It's about their meddling in the 2016 election, which they did, and the media hyperventilates every time the president talks to Russia and if he doesn't confront their election meddling, and yet here he is confronting election meddling yeah. in 2016. 16, and Democrats now want to impeach him for it. So in terms of impeachment, it, 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 does the campaign feel at all 
that this that they're that they're going to to lose any Republican support over this. Well, I haven't done a specific whip count, but I don't think right. any, any. There are very many Republicans. But what about? There. Sorry, let me ask a better question. What about in terms of of, of Republican voters? I don't think so. I think when you look at the when you look at the results this president has has provided, whether it's the six point three or four million jobs, paychecks going up, inflation under control, all of those things, and delivering on the promises that he has made to them, they know that Democrats have gone down this path since the day he was elected. They have promised to impeach him, impeach him on everything and anything they can come up with, and yet nothing has stuck. And here they go again, when. They promised us quid pro quo. The transcript shows no quid pro quo. They said that he talked about Biden seven or eight times. No, that didn't happen either. Uh, This is such a made-up controversy for them that they actually announced their impeachment before the facts came out. So is there this is see this is interesting because I think you know when people, when folks are watching this you know and, and I you know and talking to some of your colleagues I'll be candid here there, there's mm-hmm. there's a debate there's a debate about whether or not if you're working for the Trump reelect or or for the administration whether or not to have like a full on scorched earth strategy and pushing back against the impeachment or to you know shrug your shoulders and essentially say this is not that serious of a threat to the presidency so where are you on that that's my final question you've been so generous with your time mark appreciate it no absolutely well the first thing i'll tell you is that that the white house will take their official actions you know as are required and and they will do the job to defend the president but this campaign today i mean we wake up every day in a war room surrounded by professional communicators some of the best in the business and our job is to amplify the message of the president of the united states to attack the democrats and their and their candidates Uh, and that's true whether we are talking about the u.s MCA and how they won't vote yeah. for it, or whether it's about their latest health care takeover schemes, or if it's about impeachment. We're ready to go. We'd rather not have to do this because the American people shouldn't have to go through this. But if that's where the Democrats want to go, if Thelma and Louise join the squad and Nancy Pelosi and drive this thing <laughs> off the cliff, then we will be there to be able to defend the president, to amplify his message. And, and I can think of no better team, along with the ones in the White House, our friends in the White House, that are prepared to do it. All right, Mark Lauder, Strategic Communications Director for the Trump 2020 campaign. Lots to get through today. Foreign policy, domestic policy, and, of course, the impeachment inquiry. Thank you for your time. I'll check in with you later as well. Coming up, panel reacts. Hey, if it was Don Jr. and not Hunter Biden, would it change things? We're going to dive into that. Plus, what's on the panel's radar? NBA. The NBA is now involved in the U.S.-China trade spat. You've you got to hear this story. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. My guests are Brett Bruin. He is the president of the Global Situation Room and a former White House Director of Global Engagement. And Richard Fowler. He's a Democrat, a nationally syndicated radio show host, and a Fox News contributor. Gentlemen, my Eagles won yesterday. How about those Redskins? Oh, and five, the Redskins. Having an awful year. But I, listen, I'm not a Redskins fan, but I was at Audi Field yesterday for the final home game for D.C. United. They were playing for home field advantage against Cincinnati, okay, who are like the worst team in the MLS. So I'm watching there. They get two, not one, but two red cards, okay? So that means they were playing two players down. 
and the DC United still couldn't get a goal in. I was up in arms. It's a sign of affection being from Philadelphia when you start booing for the team that you're rooting for. But I guess that's not really kosher here in, in Washington, D.C. To, uh, to boo for the team that you want to win. But they did, candidly, they deserved it. I say that with, with love because I, I'm rooting for them to go far. So, you know, it's been my escape. D.C. United has been my escape from politics this season. But basketball, it's, it's caught up in the middle, Brett, of – uh, of Hong Kong and, and and the China trade debacle, and that's what's on my radar. Did you follow the story, Brett? I did, and and it's remarkable as a demonstration of the economic power that China now wields. Well, let me let me let me set the stage for it. So so you've got the Houston Rockets. Uh, the the general manager of the Houston Rockets is Daryl Morey. He sends a tweet a couple of days ago with an image in it that says, quote, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. He has since deleted the tweet. And the backlash was, well, I'm going to read from my colleague Derek Walbanks reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal, the lead, quote, the NBA finds itself caught between two cultures after a tweet about Hong Kong protests sparked criticism from China that threatens the U.S. Basketball League's expansion efforts in its most important international market. You've got CCTV, which is the big China uh, television uh, they, they pulled the games. Chinese web internet have can't uh, you can't search for the Houston Rockets. Eight hundred million Chinese people, uh, Chinese people watch NBA programming on TV. As an illustration of what this means in the midst of a trade war, Brett Bruin, well, set we, the stage. And we've seen this play out also with airlines. U.S. airlines, fashion, have, yeah, fashion. The, the power that China wields is extraordinary, not just from a, a political standpoint, but economically. And you're seeing companies, you're seeing sports leagues react to that. But let me uh, take this opportunity to point out that Donald Trump has been radio silent on Hong Kong protests. If anything, he's given a green light to Beijing to move forward using similar language, actually, as I saw him use today with reference to the Kurds, to treat people humanely. Now, I don't think shooting unarmed protesters in the streets qualifies as that. And yet, my Republican friends up on Capitol Hill have been radio silent uh, when it comes to the president. Respectfully. I'm, I'm going to push back respectfully because they, maybe they're not being as loud as you would like. But radio silent might be. Because president, the Trump's? president, let me bring you the headlines. The president from earlier this afternoon, he did say, uh, according to the Bloomberg Terminal and the, the comments from this afternoon, President Donald Trump warned China that if the country does anything, quote, bad to quell protests in Hong Kong, that trade negotiations with the U.S. would suffer. Yes. And yet and yet we saw a litany of tweets and, and criticisms from Ted Cruz yeah. on, on down through uh, the Republican ranks saying the NBA has got to uh, get a backbone. They have to stand up to China. And our own president has not uh, done so. The leader of their party has not done so. And they have been radio silent on that it's point. It's just remarkable that, the, that, that essentially the perception here in Washington on Wall Street and Main Street is that Hong Kong is a thorn in the side, so to speak, of uh, President Xi Jinping as he heads into these trade talks. Uh, and they essentially just said – 
to the NBA, well, watch this. You know, I'm, you think you think we're really concerned about the Hong Kong protests? We're going to shut down commerce for a minute with regards to the NBA. That is that is such a fascinating story, uh, and it it strikes culture, social media, big tech, uh, sports. I mean, it's 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 a really really fascinating story. So that's what's on my radar. What's on your radar, Brett? Well, I think going back to it, it seems like the 2020 election has taken uh, sort of third or fourth billing. But let's not forget, this um, is a, a critical period in the run-up to Iowa, and the impeachment hearings are putting a big spotlight on an issue that has not gained a lot of uh, time or attention in the Democratic uh, primaries, national security. Yeah. This is where candidates have got to beef up their plans and uh, also the amount of time that they're dedicating to this issue because it is going to dominate going forward. And as I've said uh, before on this program, there are a number of Democratic candidates who are not prepared for that debate. Well, and, and Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, he just has suffered a heart attack. And of course, uh, he's getting bipartisan well wishes from across the aisle. We obviously wish him well as as also. Uh, and and he's, as he spoke for the first time since his heart attack just within the last hour, CNN has it, uh, he spoke on camera for the first time since the heart attack outside of his Vermont home, uh, appearing with his wife, uh, and he was hospitalized for that uh, heart attack. He was on a walk. He says he's in good spirits. He's up walking. He's smiling. So clearly he's he's, he's showing that, that he's going to be back on the trail and he's in it for the race. So that's Great that that's on your radar. Uh, Richard Fowler, what's on your radar? On my radar is what's happening in New York. Um, a federal judge has just ruled, dismi- he dismissing President Trump's efforts to prevent his tax returns from being turned over to New York, to a New York grand jury. Yeah. And the reason why this is important is because this has been a long, looming conversation since the beginning of the of this t- since the 2016 presidential cycle. Is can we see Donald Trump's tax returns? The White House, the Treasury Department, the IRS, a political appointees have done everything to block it. And now it seems as though a federal judge has sort of sided on the side of those who are trying to get access to these tax returns um, in the state of New York. And so we'll see what that shows and it's, where it's, his money it's comes from. Totally, it's been locked in this legal back and forth. The president won a last-minute delay pending on an emergency appeal. Uh, but, it, you know, it's, it's, it's making its way through the courts. All right, we got less than a minute left. And I want to go back to something that Mark Lauder said. If Hunter Biden's name was Donald Trump Jr., would Democrats be reacting the same way, Brett Bruin? Yes. And and here is the um, real issue that Trump wants to conflate and say, oh, this is about Hunter Biden and what he uh, was doing. And that was somehow influencing. You're they saying not, it's about the call. They have not shown one shred of evidence. None. It's there's there's not a single piece. But all clearly, of the yeah, wait, wait, wait. For, for take, all of take the, the call. We got like thirty seconds, Richard. I want to give you the last word on this. But clearly, it's nepotism. The guy was making fifty grand a month at a at a, at a holding he, he, company. Listen, but remember, the reason why Joe Biden went over there and asked for that prosecutor to be fired is because NATO, the EU, the United States, every hey, developed no one's country. I saying it's illegal. I'm just saying it's saying nepotism. That this, no, it's, Welcome illegal, to Washington, folks. All right, we gotta call call leave it there. My, all right, Brett Bruin. <laughs> Richard Fowler, thank you, thank you, thank you. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg Radio. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th 
a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.